testing. Cool. Amen. And good morning. Good to see everybody in here. Um, I'm hoping that we can we can go a little longer than we did in the first service at the kind of pace that um, the message was in the first service. We could have probably had three of them today. But as we get into the message, I just wanted to minister on and talking about problems. We all go through problems. And we know that in this country, we're, we're fortunate, we're blessed, and we can be spoiled at times. But we do have real problems in America. And I saw a list of 30 problems that Americans face on a daily basis. And I decided to pick 10 of them. It's number one, losing the TV remote. Number two, ads on YouTube. See, if you get, um, what's it called, YouTube Red or something, you pay like $2 a month, and it takes the ads away, though. That's a, that's a little nugget. Number three, waiting for a video to buffer. Number four, slow Wi-Fi. Five, being hungry, but not for any of the food that's in your fridge. Six, forgetting where you parked. Number seven, not getting as many likes or retweets on social media as expected. <laughs> Eight, your phone battery running low out in public. Sometimes we feel like that's the end of the world. Number nine, eating fruit with seeds. And number 10 on the list, I almost actually did this this morning too. Pouring your cereal before you realize there's no milk left. But in all seriousness, we do go through problems. We do have struggles. Um, the enemy will throw things at us that will try to take us off of what God intended for us. And, and we can allow problems and struggles if we don't look at it with the right mindset to make us less effective for God and make us not really bear fruit and just kind of go through the motions. So if you're taking notes, again, the title of this message is, What's the Problem? If you can open up to 1 Peter chapter 4. A lot of times we think about suffering or we hear suffering and we, we think it has to be physical. But in this world and the country that we live in, we don't really face any physical persecution for being a Christian, but there are trials, there are problems, there are situations where if we're not caref careful, we'll compromise. First Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 12, I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation for this one. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. For the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs, but it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. And that's, a, that's an important, important thing because it's easy for us to feel like, man, there's opportunities I could have had with work or 
problems that are coming my way because I'm trying to do things right and live how Christ told me to live. But other people in this world are doing whatever they want to do and they get promotions. It seems like they never have any problems. And I just wanted to share a story. I didn't share it the, in the nine o'clock, but I coached at a private school the last couple of years. It was a Christian school. And so happens to be I was the only Christian coach on the staff. So it kind of makes things a little a little weird. It's a little weird environment when you're at a Christian school, but none of the coaches are Christians. So I run a basketball program on the side that I've done for the past five years as kids from all over the Metroplex. And I was talking to one of the kids, and he was telling me about some of the struggles that he was going through, a kid who I've mentored for many years and comes from a very tough family situation, tough family backgrounds at times where he was the only one at home for weeks as a middle school kid. Some of you young people in this place, could you even imagine not having either parent at the house and trying to function? So long story short, he's matured in some ways. Some ways it's a process, but he's matured in some ways. And he was telling me how he wanted to quit his school team. He think about doing some of the old things he used to do. He's, he was just real angry and, and upset. And I got to thinking, what if I could provide the same kind of service that I do on my basketball program at a school? So with that, I would have to find a school that either has a small basketball program or no program at all and propose for them to just create something out of the blue. And it sounds like a crazy idea, but to me it made sense. So I looked and researched different schools. I knew that it had to be a charter school because with a charter school, you can get kids from all over the Metroplex. It doesn't matter where you live. So I found a school. It was actually in Cedar Hill. They were very interested with the idea. Um, the principal of the school, he was a Christian. Um, the, actually, the athletic director of the school was a Christian. We, we prayed at the meeting, and he was like, man, I know this is God, and this is a great opportunity that you could bring in kids who could benefit from our academic environment. And we trust and we see your resume from an athletic environment that it would just be a great fit. So I was really excited about that, knowing that I, I found a school where kids would have an alternative to go to, where you're getting basically a private, a private school education for free, and then you're still getting opportunities to explore how far you want to go with basketball. So as time went on and Everything looked great, and we had follow-up meetings. Then out of nowhere, I get a call that um, we're not going to be able to do it. So that was, that was kind of tough. That was one of those problems we're talking about. And with that, it's easy to get angry. It's, I, I don't feel like I got angry, but I was definitely disappointed. And I was definitely wondering why. Why this, this seemed right. Shoot, we prayed at the meeting. I felt like this is, this is what you wanted me to do. And as... I started thinking, I was just like, well, God, I just have to trust you. It's the only thing I can do is, is just trust you. It's out of my hand. So I began to look in different opportunities. Um, I went to another school, and I looked, and the principal, and I kind of researched him, and he had a Christian background. He used to actually play basketball. So I was like, oh, this would be great. So I go to the school the first day, and they're like, he's not in. So I'm like, okay, take a day off. And then I go the other day, and he wasn't in. Come to find out a week later, he got in a bad accident and he wasn't going to be able to come back to the school. So 
one of the days I went up there, there was um, somebody in the faculty at the front desk, and she was like, well, what are you coming up here for? So I told her, <laughs> and thank God I'm saved, because she looked at me like I was a, an elf or something, like I wasn't even human. And it got to the point where it was just like, okay, I'm going to just leave. We didn't even finish the conversation. And she was like eating an orange and looking off to the side. And I'm like, I'm right here. But we know God works in mysterious ways. And if God has a plan for us, like we all believe, then it's going to come to pass. It may not come to pass when we want it to, but we know it will come to pass. So I'll hold on to that story in a little bit. But another side note, with some of the things I do, I, I talk with a lot of college coaches at different levels from smaller schools to big schools that are always on TV. And there was a guy I talked to and he told me, he was like, my basketball program at this university is my ministry. I believe it's my calling. And he said he's had opportunities to make 10 times as much money as he's making now. He got offered the head coaching job at LSU some years ago where he would have been making over a million dollars every year. But he knew that would come with a price. It would come with a compromise that he wasn't willing to make. He said, we pray before every practice. We pray after practice. He said, if it gets to the point where the school has a problem with it, they're just going to have to fire me. He said, and if it gets to the point where I can't do that, he's not going to coach anymore because he believes that he can't compromise. And it's so amazing that when things come our way, the enemy does a great job of just putting that magnifying glass on our problems to make everything seem bigger than what it really is. I heard it said one time that if you were to go to the ocean and just cup your hands like this and put water in your hands and just stretch out your hands and watch the water fall out, that's this life. It's the problems of this life. It's things you go through. But if you look at the rest of the ocean, that's eternity. And when you look at situations and you look at problems like this is just temporary, and I know what my future holds. I know what Jesus has promised me. It helps us look at these problems a little differently. As we go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we see that God wants us to, he wants us to rejoice. He wants us to pray. He wants us to give thanks. That's, that's his will for us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16, it's, it's straight and to the point. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And it's hard to do. There's a lot of times we read verses, and it's like, okay, rejoice and pray and give thanks. I, I can do that. And then a problem shows up, and it's like, uh, I, need a, I need to take this into my own hands. I'll, I'll rejoice tomorrow. And then the next thing, you know, I'll rejoice after that. And the next thing, you know, you're just having a pity party. And I know it's... It's maybe, maybe it's just me, but I feel like that's something that it can be hard if you don't prepare yourself ahead of time when a, when a trial comes, when a problem comes. It's hard to have that spirit of thanksgiving. I don't know, maybe, maybe somebody in here in this place is, they give God thanks in everything at all times, and they've never had to really experience anything like that. I know when we were shaking hands, I, I, looked, around, I looked around the first service, I looked around this service too to see if, Enoch showed up. He might be the only person who can say he's never had that issue because they said Enoch walked with God. Now, if you don't know who Enoch is, our Wi-Fi is pretty good in this place. You can, you can Google him after service. But 
in all seriousness, the way we prepare ourselves when we start our day, if we're in prayer, and, if, and a lot of times it depends on the prayer. Are we praying just because we know that's what we're supposed to do in the morning? Are we putting on worship music because we know that's what we're supposed to do or because it helps us go to sleep? Or are we actually worshiping and having a spirit of worship, having a spirit of praise? That just sets the tone for the rest of the day. So when trials come, it's not going to just slap me in the face. I'm prepared for it. The word said that it's going to come. It said, don't, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you back in 1 Peter chapter 4. It said, instead, be very glad. How many times do we go through a situation and the first thing that happens is, let me be very glad. If that's you on a regular basis, I have no problem giving you this microphone and tell me how you do it. But it's a thing that we should strive to do. Like Jesse was saying, none of us are perfect. But in the, in the verse that Jesse read from, it talked about being joyful and rejoicing that God's our shield and he'll defend us. So we can be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. Back at that same job I used to be at at the private school where it was the Christian school, there were so many different outings the coaches would go to. They'd go to bars, they'd do this, they'd do that, and I'd never go. And it, would, and it was kind of after a while, it was like I was part of the coaching staff, but I wasn't really all the way in there because there's some things they know Brian just doesn't do or Brian just doesn't want to do or whatever the case may be. But we know that and this verse says, it says, these things make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have a wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed. God's going to reward us for not compromising. God's going to reward us for standing strong in our faith. And there's another example of a couple young men that did that. If we can go to Daniel chapter 3. We can just hold Daniel chapter 3 for a second as we get into that. But I did some research. Did some research trying to find a, a situation that would make it easy to understand how God just called us to do one thing, glorify him in everything. So I started looking at creation, and, and I got into looking at an, an insect. And Lord knows, <laughs> I don't know much about insects or science or anything like that. I joked earlier that if, if my science teachers when I was younger heard Brian talking about insects, they would, they would believe in miracles. They would know God is real because back when I was about Gabriel's age, <laughs> science was just that class right before lunch. But don't be like that. So as I looked, I looked and found some information on caterpillars. It says caterpillars, they only have one job. That's to eat. Man. Makes you wonder, like, do caterpillars go to heaven too? If, if they do, I wouldn't mind switching. But they only have one job, and that's to eat. Just like we have one job, and that's to glorify God. And it says without proper nutrition it may not have the energy to complete its metamorphosis. A malnourished caterpillar may reach adulthood, but unable to produce eggs. 
So kind of like us, we, we may be able to slide into heaven just off of loving God, living for God, and just kind of getting beat up every time a problem or a trial happens and we'll just come into heaven beat up and bruised. Just like a caterpillar may make it through adulthood. But if that caterpillar eats and is nourished, if we're glorifying God and prepared for these trials and troubles that are going to come to us, we can walk into heaven in victory. We're not going to be walking in limping. And I believe that that's, that's God's intention for us. He's, he's going to fight for us. He says it in his word all throughout the Bible. And he'll never leave us nor forsake us. As we get into Daniel chapter 3, beginning in verse 15, we see the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These young men, they stood up for their faith. They stood up for what they believed in regardless of the consequences. So as we pick up in verse 15, we see one last chance they had to, to waver or to fall into what everybody else was doing. It says, now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery. There's a lot of instruments going on. In symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. How many times are we in a situation where we feel like, man, I know everybody's doing this, and God doesn't want me to do that, but, hey, I, I, I got to feed my family. It's my job, or this is my friend, or whatever the case may be. These guys face the same situation. Maybe you're not technically going to be thrown in a fiery furnace, but maybe you fear that you're going to lose your job. Maybe you fear that you might lose a friend or a family member, or you're not going to be as popular as you wanted to be. And he said, and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And as you see later on in the story, God delivers them and they were even blessed and got a promotion. And how many times do we see a situation or how many of us have been in certain situations you say, you know what, I'm not going to waver. And maybe I didn't see the blessing the next day. Maybe I didn't see it the next year, but it came. And we have to have the attitude of just thanksgiving to God that even if we don't even see the blessing, we're still going to follow through on what God called us to do because we have to remember this life, just like the water in the palm of your hand, is small, it's temporary. And then this whole ocean, everything we see, that's eternity. That's where we're going to be in heaven. Why do we sacrifice our, our joy or victory for little problems that are here today and gone tomorrow? If we can go to James chapter 1. A lot of times how we start our day, I can't stress it enough, is very important. 
We can't always control the situations or the outcome of our day, but we can control our outlook. We can control the perspective that we have when those problems come. In James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And then if you can just go down to James chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man who endures temptations, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So just going back into the story I was telling earlier, found out that school wasn't going to do what we talked about, and the other school kind of looked at me like I was crazy, and, and it was kind of like one last-ditch effort and I found a school, and it was an entrepreneurial academy. So they, they pride themselves on teaching kids how to have a business mindset and how to be future business owners. They've had students who've gone on to create LLCs and run their own business straight out of high school. Some kids decided not to go to college and just ran their own business. Some decided to use the money from their businesses to pay for their college. They had so many different avenues you could go in. They even have a, a coffee shop that they're opening where it's student run and students made the business plan for it and students are getting real life business experience in high school. So I told them about my plan and they're like, oh, this is wonderful. And, and I also told them, I said, well, how does your school work? Because I'm going to pray with the team. I'm going to do different things and he was, and he was, and actually the, it was the principal and the head of innovation that I met with. And they turned and looked back and in her office, there is a cross and they're like, that's great. And they said, we actually can't technically pray or say that we're a Christian school, but that's what we stand for. And they both said they've been at private schools before, private Christian schools. And they said they've prayed for more students and parents where they are now than where they were before. And they were saying that the, the things that I was proposing is, is just a wonderful idea for the school. And that they would love to, to take on this opportunity. And fast forward, it, it went from just an idea to something they accepted, something to where the school is actually in Louisville. So it's a lot closer than Cedar Hill, which... I originally planned on going to, and we have school started Wednesday, and with no advertising, no nothing, the team has been formed. There's kids from all over the Metroplex, from McKinney to Allen to DeSoto to Arlington to Coppell, kids driving 45, 50 minutes to come to school. And it's a situation where not only can some of them have an opportunity to be the first kids in their family to go to college, first kid in their family to graduate college, have an opportunity to get all their college paid for as an athlete, but also be ministered to daily. And it's a situation where I knew I couldn't stay in the same situation I was, even though it was a Christian school, that, that I, couldn't, I couldn't compromise. And by the fact of me not compromising, I was always on the outside looking in. But God has a blessing for us when we don't compromise. God has a blessing for us when we don't fall into to trials or into the temptations that are out there to just kind of give in. It's not a big deal. Nobody will notice. And it's just a matter of just having that same mindset of 
Focus on eternity. Focus on eternity. You would hate to have a situation or an attitude affect you and affect your ability to reach other people. David, who goes to our church, he was here at the earlier service. We were talking on Friday, and um, there's a this guy we both know. He actually went to high school with my younger brother. So this guy was playing playing basketball. He's played basketball overseas for a couple years, and he was like, man, I, I'm not getting any offers. I'm not getting any deals. I feel like God just destined me for to do something else, but I don't know what he, what he has in store for me. And David was just telling him to be patient. And he was like, God doesn't predestine anything. He knows the end from the beginning, and he gives us choices. God will have door A and door B placed before us. How many times I know in my life, for sure, God's placed door A and door B right before me. And I've allowed problems, I've allowed situations to just kind of cloud my mind, make me want to take things into my own hands to where I don't even notice God had door A wide open for me. But I chose door B. And door B might not even be sin, it might not be anything else, but it's the results of allowing problems to affect what God had in store for us. And God's so faithful, he'll still get us to door A. We might just have to take an exit here, take an exit there, get on the toll road, U-turn, run out of gas, but he's going to get us there. Whether we got to walk, run, or crawl, God is so faithful, he'll still get us there. And the crazy thing about and the amazing thing about him is even if we don't see everything here on this earth, we're going to see it in heaven. We're going to see it in heaven. He promises us in James chapter 1, verse 12, he said, we will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And in closing, I wanted to share a story. There was a successful businessman named, named Don, and situation happened. He became blind at the age of 44. He wasn't able to work anymore. He wasn't able to or he felt like he wouldn't be able to enjoy the outdoors and sports like he used to always enjoy because he couldn't see. He got so angry at one point, he, he just asked God to take his life and commit suicide. And he heard, and he felt like he heard God at that time saying, I have a plan for you. You need to listen to me. I have a plan for you. And all that did is make him even more angry. Not too long later, he, he was just really frustrated and his wife was busy, his kids were busy, and he was like, I'm just going out for a walk. He found his cane, he reached around, he found his cane, and he, he went outside, he crossed the yard, and as he was walking, he, he kind of stumbled, and he fell into a creek. He was waist deep in the water, and he couldn't do anything but look up. And God said, now are you going to listen? Now are you going to calm down? And from that moment forward, he said his life changed. He never got his sight back again, but as time continued to go on, God used him. God used him as a missionary for blind people. And it's one of those things where problems can happen. I'm sure that God wasn't up in heaven like, you know what, I'm going to just make Don blind. But we live in a real world where there's, where there's sin and there's problems and there's diseases and sickness and things happen. But if we trust God through all those situations, he's going to see it through. And it's going to be more amazing than anything we could have imagined if we're patient. 
The Bible says in Romans 8, verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And I just, myself first, just, and to everybody else, just focus on starting our day in meaningful praise, meaningful worship, meaningful just glorifying God in everything. As crazy as it may be, we might get a, have a, situation happen who knows maybe it's a flat tire lose your job hopefully not but whatever the situation is let's see what would happen if the first thing we did was just praise God praise God that we're alive praise God that we had a job to lose that we had a car that actually had tires that we can talk about problems in America and yeah some of these are jokes about ads on YouTube and TV remotes but you guys actually know what I'm talking about there's other places in the world where they wouldn't have a clue. They would, they'll just eat the seed, forget eating the fruit with the seeds. That's how blessed we are. And a lot of times that enemy would just put that magnifying glass over a little problem and it will just take us all the way left when there's a person on the right that God wanted us to touch. We can just bow our head and close our eyes and reverence to the Lord. Dear Lord Jesus, we just thank you for just an opportunity to come together and just to hear your word, Lord God, and to fellowship after, Lord Jesus. But we thank you that you have a plan for our lives. We thank you that whenever we have problems come around us, we have situations and we have real struggles. Lord God, you hear our prayer. You have a plan for us and you have a way out, Lord Jesus. We have hope. Lord God, no matter what may come our way, Lord Jesus, our trust is in you. And maybe you're in this place and, and things come about and God's the last person you call on. Or maybe there's, you don't really know this Jesus that we speak of that can save lives and, and change situations and change people, and, but you want to know. Or maybe there's, there's something where you just feel a void that only he can fill. And with all our eyes closed, if, if that's you and you'd like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you'd like to give your life to him, I'd want to pray for you. If you could just lift up your hand and put it back down and say a prayer for you. God bless you. I see your hand. Any more? How many more? If, if God was to, if something was to happen and you breathe your last breath, tonight are you are you sure where you'll spend eternity are you that one that just kind of claims that you know God just because people around you do it but when you get around other people it's it's completely different but you want to have a real relationship with God and you can know that you are saved you can know that you are a, a child of God like the song we sang this morning if that's you raise your hand and maybe you're in this place and you know Jesus, you've, you've given your life to him, but you know you struggle when it comes to unexpected things coming your way, whether it's bills, whether it's sickness, whether it's just whatever, whatever the enemy may throw at us, but you know every time something comes your way, it takes a long time to get back to God. And you want to change that. You want to change your attitude. You want to change your mindset. You want to be in an attitude of, of worship, an attitude of praise and giving God glory. We can pray for that. 
at the altars. If we can all just stand up and keep our keep our head bowed and our eyes closed. If, if you raised your hand, I want you to step out of your seat and just come to the front of the aisle. I, I want to pray with you. It's a thing that many of us in this place have done, whether recently or a long time ago. I know when, when I decided to truly make that decision to give my life to Christ, everything changed. It's almost like everything changed overnight. My thoughts, my fears, everything changed. And at the same time, if we have to be bold enough to confess Jesus in a church like this, in a place like this where we all are like-minded. We all want to see each other make it for Christ. Because if we can't do that in here, it's going to be really hard to do it outside. So I just want to give it a couple more seconds. I saw some hands go up. With that being said, if you want to come to the altar and just pray about whatever the Lord has put on your heart, Maybe, maybe you, you do well with problems, but maybe there's another situation that the Lord's calling you about. 